Hey everybody, this is Yvette from the Sci-Fi Sisters and we got a great special for you this week. Uh, we're going to be talking to Matthew Simone. Uh, he's a science communicator. He works at the Planetarium in Vancouver and he's also um, co-host of The First Link, which is on Trek Geeks Network. I met Matthew when we did Discovering Trek for uh, Strange New Worlds, which was outstanding. You should It was listen. very good. You should listen good. to that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, the reason why we have Matthew here today is because he is the founder of Esther's Echo. And um, Esther's Echo is just this great, um, this great charity that he's got going on um, with a woman. Her name is Esther Kanu. Am I correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, um, and she has the uh, Women in Action Development Project in Sierra Leone. And I believe it's been going on since 1996. So, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, Matthew, why don't you tell us a little about it? Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. We also have two other sci-fi sisters with me. You know? <laughs> See? Spotlight, you know. Um, Tamia. Tamia's here. Hi, Tamia. Hello. Hello. And Sabrina's here. My roomie. Tamia's my roomie, too, right? Roomie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Matthew, tell us, uh, tell us everything about Esther's Echo. Yeah. Um, first, thanks for having me. I know it's like of we were course. saying it's 10 o'clock at night we're recording and, and I really appreciate that everyone was willing to come together to talk about this. Um, Esther Esther is um, is a is a native of Sierra Leone. So she lives there. She's born there. She, you know, she grew up there and uh, Sierra Leone went through a super hard time from like the early 90s until the early 2000s that's uh the blood diamond civil war mm -hmm. uh that war was mm -hmm. depicted uh to some accuracy in the blood diamond movie with leonardo dicaprio it's like the whole year of that war kind of compressed into one film yeah uh, but in the middle of that war people like esther these amazing community leaders uh, they recognized that a lot of the the state's infrastructure had been totally destroyed including the school system and so you had all these students that were no longer able to go to school and they were considered a part of a lost generation of people who lost 10 years of schooling. So what Esther did was she started a school for, uh, for vulnerable women and, and, uh, and young girls in the middle of the war. It took teachers that she knew, they found a building and they said, let's continue these students' education. And when the war ended, the government actually reached out to community projects like hers uh, through something called the DDR. It was a demobilization, uh, reintegration, and rehabilitation of young people. And so in that sense, they actually were able to then take students who had been used as child soldiers in the war and actually give them education opportunities. Uh, so I met her a number of years later in 2004. Uh, I was there as a student with the University of Toronto in my undergrad, and she totally changed like my whole view on how we should even be doing international development and charity work. Mm -hmm pretty awesome that's pretty awesome how did, yeah. and um when you so when you went down when you went there it was something that you went down for like your undergraduate what was that about like how did how did that work out yeah you know, so like I an internship or study abroad what was that? yeah exactly it was actually part of my undergrad so I originally because of anyone who knows me they know especially now that I work at a planetarium I always wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid and I wanted to explore up um, and it, it appeared later on toward the end of high school that like, wasn't going to happen because I was terrible <laughs> at math and I have bad eyesight. You need that. Uh, all those things you need to be an astronaut. Yeah. Right. You need to be able to do math and see properly. Um, so 
I was like, if I can't explore up, maybe I can explore outward. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was just like the desire to want to see as much of the universe as I could. So, uh, and also because I was inspired by shows like Star Trek, is that when you explore places, you should try to do some kind of good where you can for whoever's there. Exactly. And um, so I, I, I found this international development program and it had a travel component. And I was looking for different organizations that would bring me abroad. Um, you sign up with an organization that you'd want to go with, and then they basically assign you to a country. And so I was assigned to Sierra Leone. So I was there working with another organization uh, when we met Esther. But what I realized was that the amount of money that had been spent to put me, one foreign aid worker, in the field for an entire year would have run Esther's whole school. Like mm -hmm. it could have, it would have graduated 50 women. Wow. And so I started mm -hmm. thinking like, why then is it so important for me to even be here? Mm -hmm. Right? Like what, why is it that we do charity work this way? That there always has to be sort of like a Westerner, you know, mm -hmm. create projects often from scratch when you have these local leaders that have already been doing work on the ground for decades, sometimes mm -hmm. have this integrate knowledge of the community um, or intimate knowledge of the community and its needs. So we were like, why don't we just help Esther directly? So when I got back, I maintained a relationship with her outside of my placement. And we just started setting her up one-off donations. But then in 2011, we actually founded as a nonprofit organization uh, to echo her work to, to other mm -hmm. communities that otherwise would not know about her. That's, that's awesome. Oh, I, I remember you telling me about thing. this. And I was like, yeah. that is like... I love the way you thought about that because you're right. It's always, and even when we watch TV and movies, it's always the Westerner who has to go in and save, save the Africans, you yeah. know, right. save them yeah. from themselves. It's, it sounds like that, like noblesse oblige, you know, yes. idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I well, love you know, that you, I'm sorry, go ahead, Sabrina. No, you know, I, I'm a CPA, but I work with nonprofits. And so I see this firsthand, you know, large grants going overseas and, uh, you know, doing whatever program. So this is really fascinating to me because we we do have some cases where we do some what we call microfinancing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so that has really been an interest of mine. And so we, we've been helping a couple of different organizations that do, like you're saying, direct financing, like cut the middlemen, cut the people, boots on the ground, you know, you know you know, housing, volunteers, and all this kind of crazy stuff, and just send the money directly. So this really spoke to me. When I heard you speak about this at Vegas, I was just like, oh, yeah, we've got to know more about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, it just, it seems like a just, also like a far more efficient way to be doing this. You know, when you think about all the costs that are put into place to bring people over, and this is the other thing too, like, in this case, bringing a student like what do I know I don't know anything about like you know I, I get my learning ability I get this opportunity to learn but when people like Esther were then turning to me and saying like okay well you're you're this westerner with expertise like do you have any input on our project I'm like no I'm just I don't what do I know absolutely none so um, I'm like the only reason I'm here is because I've got keys to the organization's pocket but it's like it just goes to show and but in addition like the resistance that sometimes we'd have when we would promote a project like this, because then they would say, well, who, where's the Western oversight? And I was like, why do they need mm -hmm. oversight? Like they, they've been operating through a war, like they already right. know what's going on. So mm -hmm. then you look right. at how much inefficiency is introduced just by the lack of trust. 
you know, which is inherently racist, you know, oh, yeah. in many cases. Exactly. Yeah. That is, it is introduced. And then how much money is wasted just because we don't have the trust and faith in these individuals who have all this knowledge to just do the work that they want to be doing already. They just didn't have the resources to do it. Right. Yeah. I love that the, it was very simple the way you explained it to me. It was um, all she need. what she needs from us is money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah, right. So let's, let's, Tell me, how do we get her the money? Let's go. Let's see it. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, over the years, we've been doing these these fundraisers and uh, for the organization. And honestly, what would happen is we would get like a certain percentage of what we needed. And when the rest didn't come in, I, sometimes I would just top it off with my, myself and the board members. We would just mm-hmm. throw in what we needed. Um, but it wasn't exactly like a very uh, sustainable way of doing it. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was hard on us, right? Um, and And so what I always thought was, is it crazy to think that maybe we could engage nerds, Star Trek community, right? These are people like that, a community that I know well, mm-hmm. that believe in a better future. And I thought, you know what, like Esther's Echo itself has really nothing to do with Star Trek, but the underlying philosophy of it and how it came to be probably wouldn't happen unless I were a Star Trek fan, because that's why I wanted to travel around the world and <laughs> meet other people to begin with. So I thought, you know, maybe we could pitch it uh, to the Star Trek community. So this year, uh, because there's been this growing talk around Trektivism and using fandom for social change, we created a Star Trek community fundraiser for Esther's Echo. Uh, and this year, we what we did is we pitched it onto um, GoFundMe. And it's hosted right now also on uh, the Trektivism.org website. So that website will probably be hosting other initiatives from other members of the Trek community in the future. But right now, the featured fundraiser is this GoFundMe for Esther. Um, and right now, we're at 70, about 7400 of the $10,000 that we wanted to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple donations that came in outside of the fundraiser as well. So we're probably actually closer to about $8,000. So that's great mm-hmm. um, because... About ten thousand uh, bucks is all it takes to cover the major expenses for the school for the year, which really is the rent on the school building uh, that they have. That because we don't have a building for them right now. In the future, that goal is to build them their own building. But right now, covering that rent cost for them offloads so much of the expenses that they have that then when they do bring in their own funding, they can use it on like school equipment scholarships mm-hmm. for students um paying the teachers like a, a pay like a, like a like actual salary so they can like mm-hmm. live and stuff yeah. um so if people want to find the gofundme right now it's on trektivism.org but people can always go and donate at our own website as well at esterzecho.org uh, as well we'll have both of those in the in the notes so Perfect. that people yeah, can see so that can you also tell me like what does um who who who, who gets the benefits of the school what who is it? Are there, is it just women? Is it men? Is it boys, girls? Who gets? Uh, it's it's targeted primarily for women because that's how the organization started. There are some young boys that are in the school as well. In fact, uh, two of them that have graduated have now come back as teachers to the school uh, as well, which is awesome. And it has expanded in some areas as well. So there's now a daycare center at the school too. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> That was always one of Esther's goals. So we helped uh, in the expansion of the daycare center. Uh, They call it the Kitties Foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's there so that now older women who and mothers can bring children and have the children taken care of so that they can now do like either extra courses or start new education. And so that's there too. So we've got... Uh, you know, young women, we have girls and we have children, and now we have adults, uh, mm-hmm. women who can come in because of the of the daycare center as well. Um, 
And then Sabrina, you're mentoring uh, microfinance. So now a new project that's starting is that Esther's daughter, um, um, uh, Samuela, has graduated from school in the United States. And she's actually starting now a microfinance project for the graduates of the school who are trying to start their own businesses. So now you've got like, you've got children right to now entrepreneurs and like the whole way through. So it's like this multi-generational project. See what happens when you educate women? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Best way to transform the world. It's the only way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Samuel is awesome. And when I met her, she was a kid, right? And now yeah. she's a she's a graduate and and going to now create this uh, this next level uh, onto the program. So how many how many um, students do you have there one time maybe? Or Typically, uh, does... about a hundred at any wow. one time, and it's, it's in a two year program. So they're usually graduating. Uh, I think on the low end, about thirty, and on the high end, fifty graduates every year. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So since we've gotten involved, like when. Um, I usually counted at 2011, even though we did start sending funds like around 2005, but 2011 is when Esther's Echo actually started. So from that year, uh, we've, we've been, we've been helped to graduate over 500 girls from the school, 500 girls and women. Oh, that's school. amazing. That's that is crazy. amazing. I like it. I like it. I love the fact that there's a daycare center. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about that because I know, you know, you, you said that you had a lost generation, uh, that there was a, and you know, during the blood wars uh the diamond wars um mm-hmm. so i was wondering you know what did those those girls or those women now did they get to come back and what do you do with families right. because even you know especially even in this country it's hard to to be a professional person to go back to school when you have um a family and daycare centers are huge um when you have a daycare center at work or when you know your children are being taken care of you know women can you know, rule the world when they know that their children are being taken care of. So the fact that there's a daycare center, I think, I think that's gold. And you said that there was a, a, is there something that we can, is there like a link to help out with the daycare center? You said something about there's a a kitty. It's called, yeah, it's called the kitties foundation. So uh, basically all the funds we send to the school, I don't, I see, this is one of these things that I struggled with is I don't earmark the funds. Okay. Because okay. again, that's, it's, it tends to be kind of like a, this is a way we draw in donors from like Western, like charities and stuff, right? We okay. earmark, we say, this is, you bought this one thing or you did this one thing. Mm-hmm. It is good as a promotion. But one of the things that we're trying to promote is that when we send money to Esther, I trust her to use it where she thinks it okay. needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, typically we always say, the big chunk is for rent. But if there's, if there's funding that she needs to put in the daycare center that I tell her, go nuts. We take okay. this money. If you want to use it for the daycare mm-hmm. center, awesome. go ahead. Uh, there are a couple of times we fundraised for a few other projects. Like when we started the daycare center, we did extra funding for that. Mm-hmm. And we did funding to uh, buy a plot of land that they're now using to grow crops on. That's an income generating project for the mm-hmm. school. Uh, and we've bought a plot of land where the new school will go again for that big future project, but that's, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a couple of years down the road. Cause it's going to be about $50,000 to build the building from scratch. Um, Capital so campaign. Yeah. yeah. That'll be, that'll be what that will be for. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not sure if you said it and I just missed it, but around what age are the kids who are being taught in the school or age ranges? Yeah. So with the, I mean, some of the the kids that are in the daycare, they're, you know, they're, they're going through courses and stuff too. Um, I couldn't give you like an exact age of the kids, but I get photos of them so I could take a guess, you know, they're younger, they're looking like three, four or five years old. Um, The women that are in the classes, they're anywhere from like junior high to high school age. 
And then afterwards they have the alumni group, which is called, they call it the old girls club. Um, and that's the <laughs> alumni that have graduated and they have alumni that date back all the way to the nineties. Right. So mm -hmm. they have a huge age range there uh, with that group as well. That's really cool. There's also other advantages too to to running a school like this. There are some laws in the country that have that have come and gone that are awful. Uh, for example, one of them was that if you were pregnant, you couldn't go to school at all. Uh, whereas a woman who is pregnant and otherwise may not be able to go to the public school system, they could still come to Esther's school. They would still be welcomed uh, in that case because it's those kinds of things that she's trying to circumnavigate mm -hmm. in the country to continue providing opportunities. Wow. Now, is wow. this in um, in Freetown? That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's there's actually two locations now. So the original uh, Women in Action uh, project was in Freetown. There's another one now in a rural community called Port Loco. And it was because they had people that were coming in from surrounding regions that wanted to come to the school and they were at capacity. Uh, so they started a satellite location uh, back in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so that's been operating since then as well. And that's one of the things that, we, that that school was able to do because we were offsetting costs on the primary location. So we actually have the two sites now that's awesome yeah this is amazing yeah this is really, i'm just yeah. you know one person what one person can do when they put their mind to it this is great i would love to help this woman out right absolutely Definitely. now do the students have to pay to um go to school so there is a minimal fee. Um, usually what happens is that it's worked off by um, by taking on catering and tailoring projects within the school. So that's part of the education is that people will bring on, uh, they learn catering services, they use tailoring, cosmetology, all that kind of stuff. And so they have, what we'll do is if they help to bring in some of the contracts to the school, it pays it that gives them their practicum basically was what happens um and then it also they get to keep uh, whatever they work off is the service fees to the school basically mm -hmm. and then the school brings in that's how they get the school brings in income as well uh as being basically like a collegiate institute vocational institute that way um and so when everything is good then it shouldn't work out that the students really need to pay anything at all um and if we're bringing in enough funds then the it goes to scholarship funds and so it covers fees that way too and so usually if the students are paying fees it's because we're in a place where we haven't raised enough funds to cover some of those extra expenses okay yeah right. what's it about and do you know what it's about per year in like american dollars or? it's it works out pretty so rent for the school in the year is six six thousand us dollars that covers their rent uh the total operating cost for the school right now is sitting around 15 to twenty thousand us dollars um, again, if we wanted to build their own building, we're looking at 50. But the students themselves, if they're incurring fees, I think that Esther worked out that per student, I think it's only about $200 for their whole their whole year. Um, year. But that can that can be onerous for a student, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, when we say that in a from an American perspective, you know, it's very different, um, you know, looking what that $200 means elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, Absolutely. I remember when I was applying to colleges and my mother told me I had $100 to apply to colleges and that was it. There was mm -hmm. no more money. So I picked the five schools I could go to. It was $25 to apply. And there was the one more college. She was like, I do not have any more money for you. So I get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's what we're trying to do again is just to like alleviate a lot of these burdens around cost expenses mm -hmm. fees, and just keep everything operating as quickly as possible and as smoothly as possible. Well, I think we can help you out with that. I think so too. <laughs> I think we have a lot of listeners who would really, who really probably a lot of people in the Trek community have heard 
of Esther's Echo. I think they've heard. I don't know if they know exactly what it's about. So hopefully, you know, we'll get a lot of our listeners to listen and definitely check you out. I'll make sure that all the uh, social webs. Are you on? Um, does Esther's Echo have um, visibility on any of the uh, social webs? Yeah, it's not, it's got like a huge presence, but we are on Twitter. So you can find <laughs> Esther's Echo on Twitter. You can find it on Facebook as well. Okay. Um, and we're also on LinkedIn. I don't know if anyone looks at organizations on LinkedIn, but oh, it is there. Oh, I do. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were fortunate enough that when the, when the GoFundMe campaign came out, that there was, there was, we got this like big splash of visibility right away because it got picked up by a few of the actors. So Kate Mulgrew was tweeting about it. Robert Duncan McNeil, um, you know, like Nana Visitor, Robert Picardo, mm-hmm. uh, some of the crew from like uh, from Prodigy were tweeting about it. So it, it got it got out there really big. And it's that was so cool because yeah. as a kid, you know, who grew up watching this show, it was like the actors were beaming in in real life, like a real away <laughs> team to help you with your mission. Because and... we're Starfleet and that's what we do. <laughs> Starfleet to the core. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, um, is there anybody else got any more questions? No, I just, uh, you know, I just think I'm really excited to um, be able to give a spotlight to this because, uh, I mean, what a perfect, uh, what a perfect endeavor for the Sci-Fi Sisters to endorse, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And um, with a great ally like yourself. Um, And uh, so, you know, and I love the philosophy of like, you know, people know what they need right. and people know how to run it just give them the money that's all they need yeah. you know? they don't the need you to come in that. and tell right. them how to like you know she started like, it through a like, war right like <laughs> i don't need you it's fine like she's she's good she's you know good. but you know i i love that um and i love the fact that um it's a effort of of black women building something much larger than themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just the idea of the school, but it's also an idea of a sustainable lifehood, right? Like how do you make this money grow? How do you make mm-hmm. this education grow um, to help you and then therefore help your community even more? So, I mean, everything about it is, is, is a beautiful blossom you, that I'm, I'm proud to put my stamp on, you know, to, to get behind and endorse. Absolutely. So we really appreciate the fact that um, you, the work that you've already done with this, but also bringing, bringing it to us and, and really happy to put it on our platform. Well, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're willing to, that you're all willing to do that because it, it's, you know, this is something I've always dreamed of doing, you know, there's these two elements of my life, kind of the spacey Star Trekky side, and then, you know, this kind of work. And, and when I would do it, people would always say, like, that seems really disparate, like that you're doing this kind of charity work. And then on the other side, you're always looking up at space. And I was like, I think it's the same thing. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's yeah. the same yeah. thing, right? Same like, thing. Yeah. you know, and if anything, if anything we realize by looking up in the stars, like it's not to forget about our planet. It's to realize, like, remember just how precious and special mm-hmm. it is. Like there's no other place in space we know of right now where there's, where life exists, you know, and we just, we need to, I think we take it for granted sometimes. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I could think of like, the best way I could make a difference is some, you know, kid from Northwestern Ontario, Canada, who is pretty ignorant about the world for most of their life. And then also was thrown in a post-conflict war zone. Uh, <laughs> and then I met this person and I was like, aha, 
I don't have to figure that out. It's it, it, someone already has like right. people <laughs> yeah. So, and I was like, but I can create this link now and you're helping me to do that. So thank you so much for helping me to make that link between her and these communities, because that's, that's what, that's what she needed the most. And I thought that's the one thing I at least can help do. That's awesome. I want, before we go, I wanted to ask you one question. I, you, mm-hmm. your, um, so your community are called Echo, Echoers? When I write my emails out, I've been calling people and after the when, when we write newsletters and I I write the blog and I send emails out to donors, I've been referring to everyone as as the echoers, right? The so echoers. our our community of supporters. So yeah, awesome. I kind of came up to me one day. I haven't really no one's ever asked me formally about it, but yeah, that's what I've been using. So yeah, I'm gonna be an echoer. I'm gonna be an echoer. Well, thank, thank you, you Matthew. Thank you. thank you for everything. Um, I appreciate you, you know, bringing this up and that we talk. I love that we talked about it. Um, thank you for, like Tamia said, being an ally um, and bringing this to us. Let us know what's going on, what our sisters are doing on the continent. You know, they're doing their thing as usual. You know, as we're... usual, <laughs> as usual, <laughs> as usual, and have been for a long time. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. But yeah, thanks for bringing uh, highlighting this and being an advocate for it. It's great. Um, anything else? Anybody else? All right. So, right. Thank you. You got it. You can find us at sci fi sisters.com. That's S Y F Y S A F. <laughs> it's I was not just how you, into the rhythm it's not it. how you spell that okay you can find us at sci-fi sisters.com that's s-y-f-y-s-i-s-t-a-s.com join us on the mothership that's m-u-t-h-a-s-h-i-p and the sci-fi sisters book club both on facebook download the trek geeks network app where you can find us and our family of podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network, on Instagram, sci-fi.sisters. And we are also on the Twitter, at Sci-Fi Sisters. Become a patron of Sci-Fi Sisters today at patreon.com forward slash Sci-Fi Sisters. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We may just read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks, Matthew. And we got to give a shout out to the baddest engineer in all the universes. That's Dose the Anonymous One. If you need production skills, engineering skills, he's your man. Dose underscore the anonymous underscore one on Instagram. Love y'all. Have a good one. Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye, Matthew. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Matthew.